In this episode of Full Stack Radio, I talked to Ed Yarborough about testing view components using the View Test Utils library. This is Full Stack Radio, episode 84. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Full Stack Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Wathen. Today it's my pleasure to be speaking with Ed Yarbrough, the uh, creator of the View Test Utils Library. How's it going, Ed? Hi, Adam. Yeah, it's good, thanks. Thanks for having me on here. And, and well done for pronouncing my last name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I try, try to do my best. So um, for anyone who's not uh, familiar with you, do you mind maybe briefly introducing yourself and talking a little bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name's Ed Jabra and I'm part of the Vue core team and the main author of Vue Test Utils, which is a, a testing library for Vue. Awesome. Um, do you use Vue a lot in your like day-to-day work or is it just something you work on for kind of fun on side projects and stuff like that? So it's quite funny, actually. My day-to-day work, I, I use React okay. generally. Um, so Vue is something that I do in my, in my spare time. I'm not going to ask you which one you prefer. I'll just let leave that up to the audience's imagination based on which one you use at work and which one you use at home. But <laughs> um, So what I was hoping to chat with you about today was just kind of some some topics around testing view components in general and uh, this view test utils library that came out, I guess, not too long ago, uh, but looks like it really does a good job of making a lot of this stuff a lot easier than it used to be. So maybe the best place to start would be talking a little bit about what it looked like to test uh, view components a year ago before this thing was out in the wild. Yeah, sure. So I actually started using Vue about a year and a few months ago now. Yeah. Um, and when I when I first started, when I wrote my first application, one of the things that I was looking for was how to test it. And there was a page in the documentation about how to test, but it was quite bare bones. It was basically showing you how to test uh, that the, the text was rendering quite correctly. And, and to do that, you basically had to uh, spin up a component and then access the DOM element of the component and um, and that that was all that there was really. So you were digging into the internals a lot. And if you wanted to test more complex things, you'd have to write quite a lot of code to achieve something fairly simple, like uh, dispatching a click event on a, a running um, instance. Yeah. So when I saw that, um, I, I carried on following the docs for a while while I was building my application, and. I found that there was a lot of repetition. So I'd moved that out into a library um, that I called Avoriaz and released it. And it got a fair bit of attention. People started to use it. And I think it, it sort of grew from there in popularity, this library, which was inspired by Enzyme. Have you used Enzyme before? I haven't used Enzyme, no. So what's Enzyme? So Enzyme's a testing library for React. Okay. Um, and it's basically, a, it's a sort of a, almost a jQuery-like API for testing React components. And I was very used to using that at my, at my day job. So I styled this Avoriaz library around Enzyme. And it started to get fairly popular. People were using it. And after a few months, I decided to get in touch with Evan because um, I really wanted to 
see, see some official uh, work on unit testing. And I saw that it was in the pipeline, but there wasn't anybody working on it at that point in time. So Evan got back to me and said that uh, he liked the Avoriaz library and thought it would be a good base for a official view test library. And uh, I got together with a few other authors of view testing libraries because there's about five or six other testing libraries at the time. And um, yeah, we got together and worked out on an API and that turned into view test utils which is actually, is actually still in beta, it's worth pointing out. So it's been in beta for a few months now. But it's a JavaScript but, um, library, so it's okay if it stays that way for the next five years anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I haven't actually got a chance to play with it yet. So I, I was trying to decide, do I want to dive into it and uh, you know, play with it and see how that goes? Or do I want to go into this kind of blind and get you to kind of talk about it. And I think it will be more useful to come into it from this perspective, because I think a lot of the listeners are not going to have used it at all either. So what does it look like to use this library, uh, you know, from scratch? Like, how would you go about testing a simple component? Is there an example that you like to use when you're trying to show someone how it works? So normally I use uh, a counter component as the example. It's a bit cliche, but um, I think the first thing to point out about view test utils is it has this wrapper API. So the way that you interact with your component is is through this uh, wrapper object. So there's two main entry points into into the library. There's a method called mount and a method called shallow. Both of them take a component and then create a running instance of the component and return a a wrapper object that contains a reference to the component and a reference to the DOM element and a load of helper methods for you to assert and traverse against the component instance. Got it. So it kind of feels like you're almost making assertions like directly on what feels like the component instance itself. Yeah. Yeah. So there's these methods uh, like um, trigger. So you could call trigger with uh, click for example, and that would dispatch a click event on the component. And you can traverse through the render tree, which is uh, the, DOM com the DOM elements that are rendered by the component, and also the component instances, the child components that are, are rendered by a component. You can traverse through them with this method called find and mm -hmm. find all. And, and that's kind of like what you might expect that's kind of what you're talking about with like the jQuery style API, right? Where you just pass it like a selector and you can get a reference to what you're looking for, kind of no matter where it lives in that tree. Yeah, exactly. So the, the selector could be a DOM selector, like a, a class name, just like the, just like the find API for jQuery mm -hmm. or um, a component, a view component. Yeah. So if you're trying to test um, a counter, I'm looking at the documentation here, so maybe we can talk about this uh, a little bit and try and explain it for the people listening. But say you have like a, a div, I guess, and it's got like a span in it where you're rendering the current count and then just a button. And then when you click that button, it increments uh, the count. So the way that you would go about testing this, it looks like, is you would trigger a click event on that button, which you would find by calling wrapper.find and passing whatever selector you want to use to find that button. And then you would make assertions about sort of the contents of 
that span by like searching for that with another selector and just kind of checking the actual text that's rendered is that kind of what's rec- recommended yeah exactly awesome so um that seems pretty cool to me and pretty straightforward and uh and simple is there, is there ever use cases that you've run into where it makes sense to try and make assertions about a component's like direct state versus what's rendered um so the way that i test is by using this this idea of a component contract which which is a way of deciding what tests to write and okay. i think the benefit so a component contract is like uh sort of like the api for your component yeah and uh, i like to think of it if i was writing a some documentation for a component the documentation I write would be part of its contract. And that's the core functionality that I want to actually test. And I don't think that you would have a page of documentation for a component that mentioned the internals, like the internal state of a component. I think that's very much um, an implementation detail. Yeah. So I, I would always test the, the actual output of a component. So the, the output isn't always the, the rendered output. It could also be things like... Uh, a an event so view has an event system and components can um can dispatch view events and that's a form of output yep. that could be uh, triggered by some input that you give your component and there are other forms of output like um for example committing a, a view x mutation that is also a form of output but i w- have never found a case where i actually test the internal state of a component yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think you're right there that the important sort of thing to understand is defining like what output like actually means, right? So yeah, like maybe testing an event is emitted kind of feels like you're interacting directly at sort of the JavaScript level with what the component is doing. But if you think about that emitted event as being like a side effect or output of the component, then it kind of feels like it belongs in the same category as just the HTML that might be rendered. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. So what do you recommend in terms of uh, testing components, like in terms of isolation versus sort of black box testing? Like if you have a component that has some child components, when do you decide that it makes sense to sort of treat it as just one thing that you're passing some props to or whatever and then asserting um, the output of or when does it make sense to try and test that sort of parent component without actually rendering or making assertions about what the the children are doing and how do you sort of accomplish both of those approaches uh, using this library so this library has two main methods there's mount which um, renders a component and all of its child components Mm -hmm. and then there's the shallow method which stubs out all of the child components of a parent component and then only renders that parent component and i always almost always use shallow when i'm testing and i yeah i test the component itself and i treat the child components as, as separate yeah so i might you i might test that i that i render the child components for example if i'm conditionally rendering a child component i uh, you can test with shallow that the child component is rendered but you can't test what it renders so that's the approach i normally take got it so what does it look like to to test that how do you check like that a child component is there like say you're say you're working with like um 
a list component or something that has like list items as like child components, how would you do something like count the number of list items that were rendered or something? So you can use the find API and pass in a component. So if you imported a component from, from, your, from your component file, so I import the list item, then I can call find, uh, which returns the first matching node, or I could use find all, which returns uh, a collection of nodes that match the selector. So if I wanted to check the amount of list item um, components that was rendered, uh, and I was using the shallow method, I would call find all, pass in a list item component as a selector, yeah. and then assert that the uh, collection has the correct length, the correct number of children. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. So the way that you're doing that is not passing in like the component name, but literally like what you get when you import that component from like the single file component file right like the actual um i guess like constructor function or whatever yeah exactly so under the hood we check that uh the constructor function matches um but there are also other ways so we we support um searching by name so you can search for the name of a component and you could also search uh by refs but i found that it, it's normally easiest for me and, and it reads quite well just to use the component itself as a selector yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense so something that i'd love to learn more about is how to sort of decide which test runner to use with this because there's a lot of different test runners available in the javascript world and i've played with a couple of them but i haven't played with them enough to really form like firm opinions on which ones, which one to use and, and why. So I'd be curious to know, like, first of all, I guess, which test runners does this library work with? And then which one would you recommend and why would you recommend it? Um, so the library is framework agnostic, so you can use it with any test runner. Mm -hmm. um, but they're the, the two that I'd recommend are Jest, which is my personal, my preference. Yep and Mocha Webpack. So I think it's worth noting that when you're testing view, um, view components, view single file components, there's this compilation process that you have to go through to, uh, to actually test your component. You can't just import a component from a .view file in your JavaScript and then, and then run it as you normally would in Node because a view single file component isn't JavaScript. So that you need to compile the component as you import it. And um, Jest, it, it's quite easy to do this with Jest. So it's really easy to do this with Jest because it has its own transformer system. And there's a view Jest transformer that's actually maintained by the view organization that, will, that you can install and set it up in the Jest config. And Jest will compile your view components using that transformer oh, when you import the component. So it's a little bit simpler to use Jest than it would be to use Mocha because Jest kind of removes one other tool that you have to worry about, like kind of configuring from this whole setup process. Yeah, exactly. Jest makes it a lot easier, actually. So it, it takes a really zero configuration approach to testing and uh, it does a lot, a few other things. So an, another part of view test utils is with the mountain shallow functions, 
they're, they're actually creating a running instance. So they need the DOM. They need yeah. to be running the DOM yeah, environment to be able that. to create the DOM <laughs> nodes. Yeah. So um, Jest actually, by default, runs everything in, in JS DOM, which is a, is a JavaScript DOM implementation. Yep. So with Jest, all you need to do is install Jest and add... Uh, it's about three lines of config, Jest config, to tell it to use the view Jest transformer for any files with a .view extension. Mm -hmm. And then you can just run Jest and it'll go through your project and pick up test files and run the tests um, with very little configuration. Whereas Mocha Webpack, there's a lot more setup. Um, so you're going to have to, you're going to have to run JS DOM and add all of the JS DOM um, window properties to the node globals yourself. Okay. And you're going to need to um, have a Webpack config to compile your view components. And it, it's quite a lot more setup to use Mocha Webpack. Yeah, that makes sense. So just definitely sounds like the way to go if you're on a Greenfield project and don't have any other reason to choose something else then. Well, yeah, well... The one downside to Jest is that you're using a different compiler to um, compile your unit test code as you are for bundling. So that okay, with so... Mocha Webpack, you're you're using the view loader and you'll probably have all of your options set up already. Whereas because Jest has its own transformer system, um, you're you're using a different compiler that isn't. It doesn't have feature parity with the view loader. So there are oh. some things that aren't supported in Jest. So what are some of those things that you have to worry about? So, for example, CSS modules aren't fully supported in Jest, okay. off the top of my head. And um, also dynamic imports. Okay, yeah. All right, so it does seem like there's a few things to to keep in mind at least but at least there's a solution i guess if uh if that stuff is going to make it impossible for for you to work without being able to use like the proper webpack uh, view loader yeah just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors and that's codeship so codeship is a hosted continuous integration platform in the cloud that helps you increase your development productivity and ship to production more frequently CodeShip lets you standardize your tooling and processes across your teams, speeds up your build times, and integrates into your existing ecosystem of tools. CodeShip is a great fit for your team, whether you're just trying to speed up the build times for large apps, or if you want to set up complex delivery pipelines for your microservices using tools like Docker, Kubernetes, and others. Forrester recently released their latest continuous integration tools report, which provides valuable guidance into the rapidly growing continuous integration and continuous delivery market. And CodeShip actually scored as a top five continuous integration vendor in this report. If you're interested in reading this report and learning more about what makes for a great continuous integration and continuous delivery service, uh, you can check out the show notes for this episode and I'll have a link there for you. So if you want to spend less time managing your tools and speed up your software development, give CodeShip a try and sign up for free today at CodeShip.com. I've been a user of CodeShip uh, for many years for all the open source projects that I run continuous integration on, as well as private projects where I use CI, and I couldn't be happier with the service. So thanks to CodeShip for sponsoring the podcast this week, and back to the show. So something else I think would be interesting to, to chat about is just in general, what it looks like to test components that need to interact with 
other libraries and stuff like that. I think like one of the biggest challenges people run into with testing in general is how you deal with third party stuff. And, you know, if you need to mock stuff out or whatever. Um, so what does that story look like um, when you're testing view components with uh, the view test utils library? So uh, I think one of the great things about view is it takes this, uh, it has this inject pattern where it's quite common to have plugins like uh, Vuex or um, View Request that you install on the root view instance and then in inject properties into the view instance so you can use them throughout your application without having to specifically import them into the component. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with th that pattern? Yeah, so you can do like view.use or whatever and add stuff that way versus just doing like import some library inside the component directly is that kind of what you mean yeah but yeah that's exactly what i mean and that's a really common pattern in view and basically what that means is when you're testing a component you're going to have to inject anything that the component uses on the view instance um, yourself yeah which at first i thought was when i first started testing i found it frustrating sometimes um, but then I realized that it actually makes situations like this, like you mentioned, where you're, you're potentially mocking third party, uh, plugins and libraries. Yeah. It makes it really easy because you can, uh, you can pass mocks in specifically yeah, for whatever test. you want and you could write them by hand. You could use a library to build them. You can do whatever you want in that case. Yeah, exactly. And view test utils makes it really easy to do this with a, uh, mocks option. So when you mount your component, you can pass in a mox option that takes an object and it will add anything that you pass into that object to the component instance of the component that you're testing. Got it. Yeah, that's actually something um, like a detail that I think I didn't notice uh, originally is that when you're testing components using this library you're never actually like creating a view instance directly, right? That's seems like that sort of thing that you would have to worry about is sort of hidden away from you inside like the mount function or the shallow function, depending on which one you're using. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. It's completely hidden away from you. So under the hood uh, that we do create a view instance, but uh, yeah, the actual API for the users, you don't have to worry about that. You just call mount and then you pass in uh, an optional mounting options object that can contain options to for example, add slots to your component or um, add mocks. Yeah, got it. So say that you were writing your components not in the way that makes it easy <laughs> to test them and say you were actually importing stuff um, directly into your components. Does that make it impossible to swap that stuff out or is there tooling either provided by view test utils or with your test runner of choice that makes it still possible um, to swap those sorts of things out with different objects? Uh, so yeah, it depends on the test runner. So another benefit of Jest is it basically, it has its own module resolver under the hood. So with, with Jest, you can really easily mock any imports in your files. Uh, it's, got a, it's got a whole API for it. So it's called Jest uh, Manual Mocks. And you basically can, you can tell Jest that when it encounters an import for a certain file, it should use your mock file instead. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's really good, yeah. It makes it easy to, to mock out file dependencies like that. 
Can you do stuff like, can you create a mock on the fly, like in the test itself? Like I can think of situations where I might not want to reuse the exact same object in, in every single instance being loaded from a file. And maybe I just want to provide like an object with the one method that I know is going to get called that provides some stubbed behavior or something. Can you do that? Well, yeah. So what I generally do is I'll have like a mock um, file that just has a jest mock function. So uh -huh. I don't know how familiar you are with jest, but it, it has this these mock functions, um, which are like stubs that you control. Okay. And you can, a mock function has a me method, which is uh, mock implementation or actually not 100% not sure on the naming, but you can basically uh, tell jest on the fly how a function should behave and what it should return. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. JavaScript is an interesting language in that sense because uh, it's very it's very flexible, right? In terms of uh, redefining things at runtime or changing things all over the place. So it seems like uh, you could definitely do some interesting things uh, testing-wise if necessary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe something else that would be uh, interesting to talk about Something that I've run into in the past when doing any sort of testing that involves interacting with the DOM is sometimes running into situations where you feel like your tests are getting maybe a little bit too tightly coupled to specific HTML and stuff that you're rendering. Do you worry about that much when you're testing view components? And if you do, what are some of your strategies, I guess, for uh, trying to make your tests resilient to little things like changing a div to a P tag or that sort of thing, you know? So my, my approach for that is to generally write as few unit tests as possible to, to capture the core functionality and then to, to go ahead and write the rest of my component, do all the styling and use snapshot tests to capture the, the finished component markup. So I try not to write too many tests that check um, specific elements or, or classes yeah. if possible. So can you think of an example of a component that you might test that way? And what are the sorts of things that you would test at this level um, before moving on to snapshot testing? So the things that I most often test are, or most often I'm testing that functions are called. So Vuex functions is probably the most common thing that I test. As a result of something like clicking a button or that sort of thing? Yeah, exactly. And I'm actually finding myself these days writing less and less tests that, that check the output of a component because, like you said, you can end up in this situation where your test code is really tightly coupled to the, um, to the markup of your component, mm -hmm. which often doesn't really matter. Like, you can change a P tag to a, a span tag and it's probably not going to break the functionality yeah. of your, your component. Yeah, that makes a lot, of, a, a lot of sense. So do you ever feel like you're missing test coverage when you're like trying to write as few tests as possible in that sense? Or or I guess what do you mean by writing as few tests as possible? Like, are you actually not testing certain behavior or are you just trying to find ways to write fewer tests to test the, that behavior, if that makes sense? So the way that I test components now is I'll write some unit tests and then I'll go ahead and actually style the component, like write all of the markup and write the CSS and check it in a browser. And then I'll use, uh, I'll write a snapshot test 
So are you, are you familiar with snapshot tests? I'm familiar with the, the idea of them, but maybe it would be worth sort of talking about it in a little bit more detail um, and what sort of tools and stuff that you use for doing that with Vue. So um, <laughs> once again, Jest has snapshot tests built into it. So I, I am a bit of a Jest fanboy. Um, but, but basically what a snapshot test does is it takes some some value and then it checks it, it either it, the first time you run a snapshot test it will save the value that you passed it in a file so for example i'll create my component in in the test and i'll pass the html of my component to the snapshot uh, test function that yep. generates a snapshot and that will go and create a file that has the uh, html of my component in it and that's and sort of tied to a specific test case, right? Like you're saying, given that I have this component with these props and I do these interactions with it, um, I want to sort of like take a snapshot of that so that in the future when you run that same test, you can just verify that those interactions result in the same rendered HTML. Yeah, exactly. So that's, so when, I, when the output of my component is going to be um, HTML, then I find that the best way often to do that is by using these snapshot tests. And in the future, if um, I've made some change to the component that changes the output, the snapshot test will take, uh, will, will fail and tell me that the change I've made has broken the, or changed the output yeah. of the component. So what's your workflow like for deciding if the snapshot just changed for superficial reasons and that it's okay to just like commit a new snapshot versus being concerned that, okay, well it broke and maybe I expected the HTML to change, but now like a bug snuck in because I didn't pay close enough attention to how the output necessarily changed. You know what I mean? I think that's the thing that I worry about a little bit when you're um, using like sort of generative testing like that. Yeah, definitely. So I think I, I see snapshots as a, a prompt to basically check that my component is, is still rendering correctly. So yeah, if a snapshot's changed and I, and I didn't expect it, I'll definitely I'll spin up the component and make sure that it's still rendering correctly in, in that state. Yep, that makes and sense. Like you said, maybe I, I did intend for there to be a change, um, and but I didn't check that state of the component thoroughly and accidentally committed the snapshot with a bug. Yeah. So I think in that in that case, if I've made a change to the component, then I'm a lot more thorough when I check the actual uh, output. And I think I don't I don't want to give the impression that I don't write any unit tests. And I just <laughs> write snapshot tests. By the way, well, I I think what I was trying to say is that. Uh, that I use snapshot, I probably write one or two snapshot tests per component to get the sort of the the main state. It's kind of like your sanity check, like make sure that it's actually rendering the way I want and then use more targeted unit tests for just kind of covering some of the more sophisticated behavior, I guess, that you want to be able to test at like a finer grain level. Yeah, exactly. And what that translates to normally is like around... I don't know, 10 to 15 unit tests for a fairly complicated component and one to three snapshot tests. 
Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is Rollbar. So here's what Paul, the founder of CircleCI, had to say about one of their favorite features of Rollbar and how it helps them keep things running at CircleCI. Before we used Rollbar, we used a different error tracking service, and we were shopping for a new one. And so we did the, the tour and looked at, at Rollbar and all of its competitors, and it was it was really the feature set of Rollbar that was super impressive and that made us go there. In particular, the people tracking, I think, is, is really, uh, it's not just a great feature, but it also kind of speaks our language because we're very focused on making sure that customers are happy and we want to make sure that we have like an individual understanding of what happens to each customer. So the fact that we're able to click on this customer is experiencing a lot of bugs and to be able to follow the the progression of bugs that they've been experiencing is very important. If we get an email from a customer and the customer says, you know, your your website keeps glitching on me and being able to to go to Rollbar and to say, okay, you know, this individual customer, this is how they're experiencing the site. Because otherwise you, you have to give like an overall state of things and overall things are looking good because if they weren't we'd be dealing with it so i've been using rollbar a lot lately on my SaaS app nitpick ci and loving it uh, if you want to check it out you can head over to rollbar.com slash full stack radio and you can use their bootstrap plan for free for 90 days so check that out and uh, thanks again to rollbar for sponsoring full stack radio Something I think would be interesting to get into uh, that hopefully maybe you have some insight into are what are some of like the common challenges maybe that you see people run into when they're trying to get into testing view components or mistakes that people make uh, and any advice that you would sort of give to someone who's just trying to get get started with this stuff and maybe things to avoid or or, you know, ways they can do different things better. So I think. One of the most common concerns is is what you brought up about uh, testing the HTML and testing the the markup rather than testing um, the, the the logic. And a lot of people find it strange to be testing that a component has a class, for example. So by class, you mean like testing that it has like a CSS class added to it? Uh, yeah. So I think what a lot of people struggle with is trying to decide what they should test and what they shouldn't. Uh, another thing that a lot of people I've seen struggle with is is trying to decide how much they should be uh, mocking and how much they should... Um, Just kind of let work. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting area of discussion because I can certainly think of dependencies that you might pull into an application where it doesn't make any sense to like stub it out or mock it out. Like if you're using Lodash to do some array transformations or something, it seems really stupid to not actually use Lodash in your tests and use a mock version or something. Uh, but then something like Axios or something where you're making some call to a third-party server, it's a lot easier to see why you might want to fake that out or something. But there's definitely like a gray area in between where it can be hard to decide Um what you should actually just use the real instance of and what you should be making like mock expectations on or subbing the results of instead. Do you have any sort of rules of thumb that you use there to to decide when to isolate against a dependency versus when to just use it? Yeah, so my rules of thumb are generally if it's making a, a HTTP request or accessing a database or accessing the file system, then I'll mock it out. But apart from that, unless I need to control what it returns, then I'll try and just use the real implementation. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Um, have you done much testing with a lot of time I find myself creating view components that just wrap up uh, existing like non-view JavaScript libraries so that I have like a consistent interface throughout my application where maybe I'll pull in something like select two or something, but I want to use like a, a view-ish version of it. So I'm not mixing a bunch of jQuery crap and view stuff in the same application. Um, have you done much testing of components that just wrap up existing like non-view uh, UI libraries? Um, yeah, I, I found that those could be quite difficult to test depending on, on what the library is doing. Mm. Um, because sometimes you might be you're testing that you're just connecting it correctly. Yeah. And maybe that's the best approach just to test that you're connecting it correctly and assume that the library that you're using um, has been tested correctly itself. Or sometimes just to just try and cover that connection with end-to-end -end tests. Yeah, that makes sense. I've certainly run into situations where sometimes it feels like, sometimes it feels nice to sort of write my tests for a component like that. I'm thinking more, again, I haven't done a lot of view testing, so I'm sort of like making analogies to, but maybe like backend stuff where I'm wrapping up like a third-party library or something. But a lot of time I've gotten benefits from just writing my tests as if I'm not actually using a third-party library and as if I sort of implemented all the code myself. So I can at least verify that the way that I'm interacting or that I'm using this you know, other library gives me the results that I would have expected had I just written like the whole thing um, from scratch myself. So I really understand how it works. And I think, I think I'd be tempted to do that in the, the front end sort of world as well. So I'd be interested in getting your take on if you see that as uh, valuable or if there's issues that you can run into there. Um, yeah, I think it, it could definitely be valuable. Uh, it depends on what, what kind of library you're yeah. connecting with. But um, you could also, you can run into issues when you're um, making changes to the DOM specifically outside of Vue's reactivity system. Mm. But I think you'll encounter that anyway. Yeah, uh, actually, you test it or not. that's a question that's interesting to talk about maybe is like how sensitive is the view test utils stuff to like non-view interactions with the DOM? Is it pretty resilient since it's just kind of relying on JS DOM and as long as it works with JS DOM, you'll get the output that you would expect? Uh, yeah, it's pretty resilient. There, there are a couple of gotchas. So one of the problems I'm working on at the moment is... Um, changing the the value of an element uh, so that you can for example if you want to test that clicking on a button when an input has a certain value uh, triggers some kind of action mm -hmm. uh, if you if you want to test that changing the value programmatically so calling like input dot value setting input dot value to something yeah won't update the uh any view model data, so any data that's bound to that input uh, won't update if you set the value programmatically. And is that just a limitation in like the test environment or in the actual browser too? Like I'm thinking, like is it a matter of like events not firing or something? Uh, so that's just, uh, that. I mean that's, uh, it'll, it's the same in view. If you tried to change, if you change the value of an input um, by setting the value yeah it wouldn't update the the bound yeah value because on your like component that, instance the input event or whatever won't fire that view is listening for to update its 
um, stored version of that data. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's not a specific to the testing library. That's yeah. a general issue, but I'm trying to find a solution to that so that you can test components by setting the uh, setting the value inside your tests. Interesting. Yeah, I'd be interested in knowing maybe like what are some of the other um, either like challenges that you're working on right now or just things that are sort of planned for uh, the library before uh, getting it out of a beta status. So at the moment, I'm um, actually splitting the library out into into a mono repo. So there's going to be multiple packages. Um, at the moment, we've got a view test utils, but we're also working on view server test utils, which is going to have some um, functions to test server side rendered view. Okay. Uh, and with view server test utils, you're not going to need a DOM environment, which should be good um so i'm working on that at the moment uh adding the support for for updating anything that uses uh, v model that's another thing that that i want to work on and and solve before we uh release before we get to 1.0 yeah and uh also going to look at adding support to test async components okay i actually haven't what is an async component in view? So an async component's like a factory function that you can resolve with a component. So it's, its API is kind of similar to promises. So you have a function and it takes a uh, resolve and a reject callback and you can call the resolve callback with a component and view will render the component once the callback's been resolved. If, okay. if that makes sense. Yep. So it's normally used for code splitting an application. I haven't actually seen many other use cases for it. Yeah. Um but it would be great to have a way to test to test those easily. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's another thing. Cool. Um anything else uh coming down the line for kind of future versions of the library or are you mostly just uh kind of working on ironing out some of these little missing things and uh, stability and stuff before uh, a tagging kind of a final release. So, yeah, that's basically where the focus is, just ironing out these these smaller issues. Awesome. Um, yeah, looking forward to releasing it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to giving it a go. I'm going to have to try it out on a project maybe this week and see, see how it goes. I've always traditionally, whenever I had complex front-end stuff, had to use, you know, some of the more old school browser testing tools like Selenium and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be nice to be able to work at a little bit of a more fine grained level and hopefully the tests will be faster and it'll be a less awful experience than it is using something <laughs> like uh, Selenium. So I'm definitely looking forward to giving it a go. So um, maybe that's a good place to start wrapping things up. Uh, what is the best way for people to kind of keep up with the work that you're doing on this library or maybe learn more about it or learn more about uh, testing with Vue in general? So you can follow me on Twitter, at Edgeabra. I, I tweet regularly with updates about the library. You could also star the library on GitHub and come and check out the, the issues uh, section because there's a lot of discussion going on about uh, the API and, and possible future features. Yep. And uh, I'm actually, for people who want to learn a bit more about 
testing view. I'm actually writing a book at the moment. Oh, awesome. Called Testing Vue.js Applications. So it's out now on a, an early access program. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'll definitely have to, to check that out. When are you planning to have uh, the full thing done? So it should be done uh, mid-May. Awesome. Very exciting. Well, uh, thanks very much for coming on the show and giving me your time. And it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you about this stuff. And I learned a lot. Hey, thanks, Adam. Great talking to you. If you're interested in show notes for this episode, they'll be at fullstackradio.com slash 84. Uh, thanks to CodeChip and Rollbar for sponsoring the podcast this week. And if you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes and uh, drop us a review. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.